Hello, friends. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to be with you today and serve as your tour guide as we plan to cover the entire 66 books as they are arranged in the One Year Bible this year. Remember, you can get a copy of the many editions of the One Year Bible at your local bookstore, or you can visit the oneyearbibleonline.com and instructions are given on their website as to how you can create a bookmark that works with your mobile phone. You can create your own app. Once again, the website address is oneyearbibleonline.com. My wife and I have been reading through the Bible for most of our 46 years of marriage, and we have really enjoyed the benefit of having the portions from the Old and New Testament arranged for daily reading, as they are in the One Year Bible. So today is April 22nd, and we come to the end of the book of Joshua, completing the sixth book of the Old Testament, and tomorrow we will start the book of Judges. Joshua has seen much in his life. He's known what it's like to be a slave in Egypt, a wanderer for 40 years in the wilderness, and now he has served as a leader of God's chosen people as they courageously possessed the land that God had allotted to them. So we will launch out today from chapter 24 of the book of Joshua. The Covenant Renewal at Shechem. Joshua chapter 24, verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and led him through all the land of Canaan, and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Instead he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. 
And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. After these things, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath-serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem, in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor the son of Shechem for a hundred pieces of money it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eleazar the son of Aaron died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. And so we come to the end of our Old Testament reading today and the end of the book of Joshua. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. Joshua calls all the people, including the elders, their leaders, judges, and officers, to gather at Shechem as he speaks prophetically, recounting their history from the Lord's point of view. Shechem was a fitting place for Joshua to remind his people of God's working among them in their past. It was at Shechem God promised Abraham that his descendants would inherit the land. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, it was there that Jacob purchased land from Shechem and built an altar and called it God, the God of Israel. Genesis 33, verses 18 through 20. At Shechem, located between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, the children of Israel reaffirmed their commitment when Joshua read all the blessings and curses of the law. Now, years later, just before his death, 
Joshua calls his people to recognize their proclivity to idolatry and to choose the Lord. There at Shechem, they make a fresh covenant with the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, verse 25. Joshua erects a stone monument as a witness to the pledge of obedience that the people are making to uphold the law of God. Joshua's words are very challenging. He tells it like it is. Joshua said to the people, You will not be able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Joshua 24 verse 19. He wants the people to recognize their unconfessed sin and admit their secret idolatries. In Joshua 24.14 he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Joshua addresses them with piercing directness. He lets them know that their lifestyles gave him enough evidence to suppose that they had decided not to serve the God of Israel. He asked them to choose between the gods their fathers had abandoned, which they had become attached to in Canaan. In Joshua 24, verse 15, we read, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, You can go on with your idols of choice. But as for me and my house, we will have nothing to do with the false deities of this world. We will serve the Lord. Didn't they realize that their idols have done nothing to contribute to their redemptive history? Joshua recounts their history and, speaking prophetically, uses the divine pronoun I 17 times. Everything great about their past was due strictly to the Lord's doing. Starting with the call of Abraham, Joshua says, Thus says the Lord, I took your father Abraham, led him through the land, gave him the promise, gave him Isaac, gave Isaac, Jacob, gave Jacob his sons. When they were in bondage, I gave them Moses and Aaron. I sent the plagues, brought you out from Egypt, delivered you from your enemies, fought your battles, gave you the victories, and gave you the land you are dwelling in today. The Lord acted on their behalf. Were they grateful? Joshua repeats the call to have his people put away the foreign gods in their midst and incline their hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people make their solemn vow, We will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey His voice. Joshua 24, 24. The scene concludes with Joshua dismissing the people, each to his inheritance. There is an epilogue written by someone other than Joshua, unless he wrote it as a foreteller. These short verses tell of Joshua's death at 110 years and his burial in the town of his inheritance, Timnath Serah. Then we read about the burial of the bones of Joseph. Here at Shechem, the people finally bury the bones of Joseph, which he had requested be brought out of Egypt more than 40 years earlier. Now let's go to the New Testament reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 21. We'll read from verses 1 through 28. The Widow's Offering Luke 21, verse 1 Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, 
The days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be afraid. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth, and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led captive among all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled." And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, And raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And this is the end of our New Testament reading from the Gospel of Luke. These events are taking place in the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. In the temple he observes that all is not as it seems. The rich give the impression that they are pious in making large financial contributions to the temple treasury. Jesus discerns that these people are giving out of their surplus money that they have left over after spending on their self-indulgent lifestyles. In reality, and from divine viewpoint, they are giving much less. In contrast, Jesus points out a poor widow who is giving sacrificially. She put into the treasury far more than these rich men because she gave out of her poverty, giving all that she had to live on, recognizing God's worthiness. This incident could also be seen as an example of how the religious leaders exploited the poor causing them to be destitute while they themselves lived in unjustified affluence. Jesus then moves outside. As they pass the temple, Jesus makes his prediction of its destruction, in which there will not be left one stone upon another. As we have learned, this prophecy will be perfectly fulfilled in 70 A.D., 
when Jerusalem is ransacked and the temple destroyed by the Roman armies under Titus. The disciples leave the Temple Mount and cross the Kidron River to the Mount of Olives. In verse 7, what is known as the Olivet Discourse begins. Two questions are asked. Number one, when will these things happen? That is, the destruction of the temple. Number two, what will be the sign when these things he's speaking about are about to take place? Jesus gives an answer, but he does not focus on the time or the signs as much as he focuses on what kind of people they need to be in light of what will happen in the future. This applies to us. Number one, don't be misled. There will be many pretenders, false teachers, false prophets, and false Christs. Do not go after them. Follow the word. Number two, don't be fearful. The world is in a state of spiritual upheaval. Christ's kingdom will come at the end of the age after a series of difficulties, coming upon the world like birth pangs and heavy travail. Wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, persecution, and legal trials where believers are brought before officials for the name of Christ. Number three, share your testimony of Christ at every given opportunity. The persecution and trials will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. Number four, endure hardship. God is with you, sustaining and protecting you. Persecution is inevitable for those who live godly in Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 21, verses 17 to 19, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Number five, be ready to ask God for wisdom. In Luke 21, verse 15, and James chapter 1, verse 5, and ask for protection when you need it. In Luke chapter 21, verse 18. Number six, straighten up, stay awake, lift up your heads, live with the eternal in view. In chapter 21, verse 28. The verses in Luke 21, verses 20 through 21, describe Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. This happened in part in 70 AD. However, there is much here in the Olivet Discourse that is yet to be fulfilled and will take place in what many Bible scholars refer to as a seven-year period in the future known as the Great Tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, or the time of Jacob's distress. These are referred to in Daniel chapter 9 and also Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7. These are the days when the Antichrist comes to power and the abomination of desolation takes place in which he will demand that he be worshipped instead of the true God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 to 4 and Daniel chapter 7 verses 25 to 26, chapter 8 verses 9 to 14, chapter 9 verses 27 and Revelation chapter 13 verses 5 through 10. The Antichrist will make a pact with Israel, which he will break halfway through the seven-year period. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle John speak about the person of the Antichrist. Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 to 28, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and Revelation chapter 13, and 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. The second coming of the Lord Jesus is described in verse 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Luke chapter 21, verses 27 through 28. And now we're going to go back in time to the book of Psalms, the Bible songbook, and we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday in the middle of Psalm 89, the Davidic Covenant Psalm 
and we'll pick up on verse 38. Once again, Robert Meck will be reading this, the third and final section of Psalm 89. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Yes, thank you, Robert. Psalm 89 confirms and expounds the Davidic covenant. We read about this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 9-14. through 14. Verses 38-52 through 52 of Psalm 89 describe the chastening experience by the disobedient successors of David on the throne and the nation of Israel as a whole. Verse 52 leaves us with an important reminder. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. No matter how much we suffer because of the sins of others, how much chastening we experience because of our own sins, or how perplexed we may be by God's providential circumstances, the Lord is to be praised. He is to be praised forever. Now let's read today's Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13 verses 20 through 23. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. There is much wisdom in these Proverbs. How important it is to choose your friends wisely. The wise will walk with the wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Remember that Proverbs are maxims. They are not promises. These are general principles. Adversity pursues sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. This is not a promise that every righteous person or a person who is right with God is going to be materially wealthy, nor does it mean that they're going to be free from adversity. But if anyone walks according to the wisdom of God's word, they're going to have guardrails that keep them from going off the road. And another important principle is that we need to be thinking of the future, not just to provide for our children, but to leave a legacy for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. So let's take what we've learned today to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, thank you for drawing us out of our dream state of idolatries and delusions and bringing us to repentance and faith in the glorious person and work of your Son. We choose this day to serve him. By serving him, we are serving you. We want to live each day as if it were our last, ready to meet our Savior and King. Keep us from the schemes of the evil one. Renew our minds with your word so that we are not misled. Help us to endure hardship and take advantage of opportunities to share your word. Help us to boldly proclaim the good news. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, we trust that reading God's word and particularly these climactic moments in the life of Joshua and our Lord, the greater Joshua, I want to remind you that if you would like to have a written transcript with charts, maps, and illustrations, you can subscribe to the daily email at our website, newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G, and you will get our one-year Bible tour guide in printed form. All of this is offered freely for the glory of God. Well, we look forward to being with you tomorrow as we start the book of Judges and continue in the Gospel of Luke. God bless you and see you then. As Joshua said, be strong and courageous. As Jesus said, lift up your heads, straighten up, stay awake, and live with the eternal in view.